everyone. Welcome to episode 382 of This Is Whole Life. This is where we get together each week. We dig a little deeper into the message and we do the little bit of extra learning together. And of course, just because I feel like this happened this week, I'm just going to just going to bring it up early. Uh, this includes your input. So whether if you're online in the chat, you can always send in your questions. You can do it by email, podcast at wholelife.church, voicemail or text 407-965-1607. And I've heard that you can even email the pastor. Thank you, Karen Spruill, for your email this week, which yeah. brought an interesting <laughs> tidbit yeah. to historical tidbit yeah. to yeah. the to the message. I had no idea that that city, am I understanding correctly? Literally, there was nothing left. It burned it to the ground. Burned to the ground. So, Jeff, when you were there, I mean, that was you saw the re the new city. Is there anything it's, left? It's a very cool place because all of the um, ruins are out sort of outside of the. I mean, it, the city is kind of all around it, but it's out. It's in a way, it's kind of outside. So they kind oh, of okay. keep a space for it. They also have a lot of the things that were in the old city out on display. So in other words, it may not be in the correct place, oh, okay. but it, like there's some lions that are still there, still there that are all from, from the digs. But they have dug underground. At, this is the underneath a lot of the temples and mm. a lot of they've dug underground, and it is fascinating. It's one of the coolest cities. Smyrna's mm. one of the coolest ones. That's exactly the opposite of what I was expecting you to say. Yeah, there was <laughs> nothing left. Wiped it out. Well, underground. <laughs> yeah, right? underground. Yeah. yeah, no, that's cool. If you didn't catch the message, and if you're someone that maybe just listens to the podcast, I'm going to tell you that, okay, these are interesting tips that we might forget to talk about on the podcast, but usually not. But you might miss out on something else. Like this week, you missed out, if you didn't watch, you missed out on Acapella Week, which mm-hmm. was yeah. Yeah. maybe one of the coolest worship services in singing that we've done in a long, and musically, uh, well, that's not musically, it's your voices are the music, but I sounded great in my <laughs> office, by the way, all by myself. Yeah. Oh, it sounded good. Yeah. Up here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had the door it's shut. It's so funny because I <laughs> I closed the door. Exactly. I closed it and locked it so nobody <laughs> could get in just in case. Well, the funny thing was I knew it was a cappella Sabbath, and we had had such – the choir had sung the week before, and I, on the way drive here Sabbath morning, I was thinking, well, so that's going to be a pretty big uh, – Kind of whiplash from going from like this, you know, that full choir experience, and I was like, I guess this will be just kind of very, you low know, key. just very low key and not, you know, it was I don't anything know. but though. And right? I get, I walk into the church, and I'm like, I thought this was, I hear that I'm like, I'm, I thought that was acapella week, <laughs> and I walk in, and it is acapella week, but it's like the pentatonics. Like, yeah. It was the whole was, life version. Yeah, it was the yeah. whole life version. So it, was, it wasn't just acapella. It was acapella. We should trademark that before somebody takes <laughs> it, don't you think? <laughs> because we had the beatboxer, we had the harmonizer, we had the, the, the guy doing bass. the bass. Oh, Come man. On. That was fun. Yeah. That yeah, was that so was much fun. So yeah. if you you know, if you're one that doesn't catch the message, I'm just saying there's a lot of cool stuff you're missing. You can catch us on the YouTube channel anytime at Whole Life Orlando. And not we should be cutting some of those songs out and putting them up on YouTube. Uh, yes, we should be correct. Yeah. We should do that. We will we be put, actually. There'll be one this week that goes out in social. So if only watch there were someone in this room that were capable of doing that, <laughs> <laughs> making such a thing happen. Yeah, if only. Yeah, so, they're not talking about me, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, oh, it was, oh I was. was but yeah. <laughs> That's why we have you here, isn't it? Come right. on. Right. All right. So now I also have to tell you that we have our first episode 400 suggestion. Okay. And so just kind of hear me out on this and see see what we think. Now, this is, I'm not going to take credit for it. So, Bernie Champagne, I know you listen. Okay. And Bernie's a little frustrated. Okay. okay. Uh, because Bernie would like to see this happen at like 8 p.m. Okay. on Tuesday nights. He'd yeah. like a Maybe. three or four shot camera angle okay. uh, with, with full crew. Yeah. And he would like it to be live so that he could call into the show and ask us questions while we're discussing here. I think that's what yeah. we call radio. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and so um, because I just totally crashed, dashed, and smashed his hopes and dreams of that really becoming a weekly reality, I thought to myself, how can I make my friend Bernie happy? Yeah. But. Not in the way that he thinks I'm going to make him happy, because when we think about all the people that takes to do what he's asking, this is more on the line it's really of only three remote cameras, right? And just set the cameras up. And I mean, how hard can that be, Randy? And I'm with Bernie. And so he's okay. So we're going to start making Bernie. Bernie. <laughs> Bernie. <laughs> See, Bernie, you got people on your side. I'm on your side, Bernie. <laughs> so you know, we'll all come back. At, we'll leave after after staff and after our afternoons. We'll go home yeah. and eat, and then we'll come back at eight when Why people not? are watching, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll do that. And I don't, can we call this the pajama sessions? Because I feel like at eight o'clock Tuesday. Night. That's Ooh. pretty much my, my. That's my flannel hour. That's your flannel, your flannel hour. <laughs> what was it? What did? Were they used to be called the King Biscuit Flower Hour? Anyone else old enough to remember that? No. Mm. Live shows on Saturday night. The King I Biscuit just remember flower. the Geritol a, Hour. Maybe that was. A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No. I, I have things, and then I decided not to say anything. Let's keep going. Yeah, like Doctor Demento show. Oh, okay. yeah. The King Biscuit Flower Hour was always after that. That was yeah. Saturday. It's not night. a Wisconsin thing. That's no, a, it's a national. That's actually a Chicago thing. I think it, it was yeah. from Chicago. Yeah. I think you're right. So anyway, we were thinking that what if, what if we did do. For 400, we did it all with the cameras. We did mm. it live. Uh, we broadcast from somewhere. So I'm yeah. really thinking of where could we do it? I mean, I think I think food needs to be involved. That, that Obviously. seems to be a pre- prerequisite of the only other live we've mm-hmm. done. Now, and I will say, we did try this live call-in question, question answer thing multiple times while Andy was here, and it was a big. <laughs> So let me just preface my comments by that. It didn't go over well, okay? Huh. And so, and part of it was that not, none of us wanted to be in here at eight, nine o'clock at night every week. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. Because it was still an audio version that still needed to get post produced and out by Wednesday morning as well. So that might be the other <laughs> that might be the other problem. But but Bernie, I'm here to make your dreams come true. Yeah. So Bernie, we're gonna count on you for maybe food. Or no, 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 no. Okay, so now Bernie knows a lot about location. Oh, I'll just say that. That's true. That's true. He knows a lot about. Mm. So I think that we ought to put Bernie in charge Charge of of securing Mm. location. I like it. Okay, maybe he could coordinate with Jeff because Jeff could coordinate location. He could location and Jeff could food. So maybe the intersection of location (laughs) and food. Surely Bernie knows location and food too. You think so? I feel like it. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking we should at least consult our tech team. Yeah, probably. I am looking at the tech team, so <laughs> I will talk to Abel and yeah. uh, and Stanley and see if I know we have a switcher that we can a mobile switcher we can borrow. So the place, Bernie, the the place that we're looking for has to have electricity. 
because we can't run all the gear. Because I was like, hey, how about a pontoon boat? That'd be fun. Ooh. But the cord has got to be waterproof and long. So that's and then there's only so many people there that could come and be boats in. that have like. Well, we could have a generator. Get a houseboat or something. Maybe one with uh, solar. But it's not going to work so good at 8 p.m. Probably. When it would be live for those watching, oh, we've got smart listeners. So, you guys, yeah, figure this help out. us out. <laughs> yeah, we're we're not that smart when it comes to figuring <laughs> this out. We need your help. But I really think four hundred would be a fun, it a would. fun time. Do it live, and that way, for those of you who maybe have never met us or seen us in person, it would be a shock to the system. But here we are. And can maybe, we get a what's I, what's an upcoming date on this anyway? I should figure that you out. Should probably what, uh, let, let them know. Well, we're that. at eighty-two, so that so would be about eighteen weeks away. February or something. What do we think? Exactly. So here's my thing, Randy. I feel like we should do it on a plane, Ooh. and then we can vote one person off at a, <laughs> at a time. <laughs> oh, and, I've always wanted um, to skydive. That me too. So I'm just saying <laughs> we could wrap this all into one, and, and we could get wa- that's we what can I'm watch saying. As they threw so out like, the door. well, well, if you have people on the plane with us, there's a vote which one of us goes next. <laughs> so this is a survivor episode. <laughs> well, of, you know, whatever. Of, yeah. Oh uh, my word! High stakes, <laughs> high stakes podcast. <laughs> so, so dear listeners, I implore you, we have to have some good ideas because otherwise, we're throwing people out of an airplane. <laughs> so. There's four of us, three parachutes. You know, just like last one out, last one out, but a up before you hit the bottom. Is all I'm saying. You've seen it done in the movies. You know, you get in yeah. real tight, put your arms out forward, and don't don't uh, don't take up any extra yeah. wind that you need. Tom Cruise it. Tom Cruise it. He's sixty some years old. If he can he, do it, right? Right. We're I mean, all younger than that. I think. Uh, let's keep going. As <laughs> <laughs> Jeff scrolls, <laughs> I'm trying to find the date. Conveniently, conveniently not paying attention to this. Point. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to find a date. He needs a calendar date. You, just, your birth, oh, your birthday. I do not want to go up on a plane. I'll just tell you right now. <laughs> oh man, hot air balloon. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe it'd be tough to uh, tough to broadcast from there. I have a feeling, mm. but. I've seen a Maybe. blimp floating around this city recently. Have you? Yeah, yeah. No, they must have been in town. I think they were in town for a golf event. Oh, is what I was. It's usually what they're here for. I mean, it's. I've never been in a blimp. Have you guys been in a blimp before? I have not been in a blimp. I've got the Zeppelin fear in my brain. I don't know if I want to. I'd do it. Would you? No, I'd do it, of course. Totally. I'd jump from it, too, if you had the parachute. I don't care. (laughs) I'll figure it out on the way down. Parachute or bungee cord, one or the other, right? (laughs) Yeah. I don't. Something's making me think that maybe risk management should also be Well, we'll we'll loop them in afterwards. That's right. Yeah, no, we'll make sure. We'll make sure. It's easier to get forgiveness. Were we supposed to talk to you beforehand or after this? All's well that ends well. Ah, shucks. Okay, well, by the time we get done with this podcast, Jeff's going to have a date for us so we can start thinking. But it's 18 weeks from today. That means we need to start. We really need to have it figured out in the next five or six, though. We'd like to have it figured out with it. Yeah, probably the next month, actually. If we hit hit November. I think the thing that we have to have, there's got to be food. Mm-hmm. Good location, and then room for room for, an, for a live audience. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I would love, so, kind of like we do at church retreat. Yeah. Except with cameras, so that we could stream it. But for those that came, we'd have a live mic. You could come up and answer, answer, ask questions. Maybe you could answer them too. If we're stumped, maybe yeah, you can not? answer them. And then um, we could take live questions from the chat. I'm guessing this would probably go to YouTube. Would probably where we would put this. So there you go. Yeah. If this is. 18 from now, it's going to be right around the 23rd, or the, I mean, actually the week of the 22nd through the 26th of January. 
January. Okay. 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 Should still be nice. Right time for Melanie's birthday. That's right. Yeah. That's just very close to my birthday. So So there we go. I mean, you know, we can actually cross off a couple things. We have a birthday party for Melanie. Man, we could really (laughs) do this upright. I'm going to need gluten free cake. It's uh, Melanie's 400th birthday. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) There's not even a four in her. There's not even a four in her age, is there? No. Oh well, wow! I think well, well, this, is, this is the part. This Randy, is the, this is, this is going to have to be uh, stricken from this. If you're hearing this, Randy's probably not doesn't have a job here. So, all right, enough with the flattery. Will get you everywhere, people. That's all I'm saying. No, all right, let's get down to business oh. now. That so, send them in podcast at wholelife.church, 407-965-1607. Come and sit in my office. Bernie was the one that pitched it from Ken's, where Ken is sitting right now. It's a good idea, Bernie. I love it. I am in your corner. So we're going to do do this. Let's do 400. (laughs) Let's find out where we're going to go. And uh, we'll all get a chance to hang out together. And that'll be fun. So this week we were in letter two of seven of the churches, uh, the letters to the churches of Revelation. And we were in I'm just actually calling it the churches. Church two. The seven churches of Revelation. Yeah. Oh, I had to add the letters. Because they didn't each actually get their own letter. It was, it's actually each one is given a message in one long letter. So this is like chain mail? Or what do they call that? <laughs> what, what, what did it used to be? Not chain mail. <laughs> no, that's pirate. No, that's no good. To... Talking about those chain letters they used to send out? Yeah, no. what did they call those when you would um, pass it on the next one and write a piece? I think then... that was yeah. chain was mail. Yeah, chain yeah. Mail. Yeah, that was it. Now, this, is, this was uh, each, each one of the churches got to read all the other churches' messages. So it was not just a just like a letter to a single church. It was... Um, like I'm, an open letter. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that yeah. kind of weird? Though? I mean, if you think about it today, I mean, would you send a letter to, well, we have eight or seven problem children. To the church <laughs> at Whole Life, the church <laughs> at Forest Lake, Forest Lake, Lake the, the church, church at, at Orlando Central. Uh, yeah, Spring Meadows. <laughs> and air everybody's laundry to everybody? I mean, it would be that interesting. Well, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? I mean, think about. Well, I didn't realize this was quite so controversial. I mean, you 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 read it from a couple thousand years ago, and wow, I don't know. We just up the stakes on this. You really do. I mean, you think about it, though, but that but that's not. That's what that's what I was thinking. It's, it is. This it's week. like it's like you think about it. I mean, it's like here's the church. You know, here's the letter at the church at Whole Life, the church at Forest Lake. The you know, yeah, just, it just all around the place. I mean, how would, I'm just thinking to myself, especially when it was. <sighs> The things that the church does well. And it's like, oh, you think they do that well? I mean, <laughs> wouldn't you feel a little bit of, you know, I feel very proud of our church and, and the things that we try to do and attempt to do. And a lot of the things we do really, really well. We all have things, of course, we could work on every church. But I was just trying to think to myself, which one would be the most uncomfortable? Seeing what, what Jesus thought of every other church and what they did well. And maybe that's something you're striving for, really wanting to do well. Mm-hmm. So maybe it gives you a roadmap, but also like, man, I can't believe they're pulling that off over there. <laughs> and our problem is this. At least this yeah. week in Smyrna, they were the, the persecuted ones. So they didn't get the they didn't get the, the uh, complaint. Yeah. The complaint version, which I was like, but I'm not sure that's the I'm not sure I'm trading. Of course, they were being for- persecuted pretty hard. So I mean, it's like, yeah, you you wonder. I thought it was interesting though, and I've never I've never heard this laid out before. But thinking that Christians were cannibals, atheists, and incestuous. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, I've been called a lot of things, but I don't think I've been called any any one any three of those. Yeah. So I feel like we're at least 
maybe our, our letter wouldn't be so bad, but that seems like a stretch. Well, let's be clear that Jesus didn't call right, right. them it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be clear but about the, that. That was something that Christians across the Roman Empire were, that was the, the slander that was being put out about them. But what, I mean, Rome seemed pretty progressive, pretty, you know, the center of at least all the knowledge seemingly of that time. And that was the conclusions that they came to was, was it just the verbiage that they used to, because obviously they didn't know what was really happening, right? Because how would you come to the same conclusion that they were incestuous? I do think that you try to create narratives that are negative (laughs) about people that you don't want, you know, and obviously the Jews were at that point trying to separate themselves as well. So... I just thought it was interesting, like, you don't believe in a real God. And it made me it made me go back to the episode of The Chosen mm-hmm. where they, um, they're they trying to strike water in, in, uh, in the well. And he's like, man, you were hustled for this land. And he's like, you know, God chose us. And then the water, yeah. <laughs> the water comes up like, so let me get this straight. You chose a God that you can't see. You can't, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's no temple to worship him in. And it made me think of that. And so maybe that was not such a stretch to believe. Right. That someone at that time, I guess, well, it was very different. Yeah. Very different. There were um, almost every major religion of the time was polytheistic, meaning that there's just multiple, um, multiple gods, and it was a very, very strange thing to think about only one god. It's like the like everybody, you know. At that time, everybody, was, everybody knows there's got to be a god for the, you know, the god of the hills, the god of the mountains, the god of the plains, the god of the sea, the god. There was a god for everything, and that no, no one god could oversee everything. I mean, that's ridiculous. You know, you needed a pantheon of gods. You needed to be able to be open-minded enough to be able to worship, you know, the right god at the right time. And it didn't. I mean, if you're only worshiping one god, what happens when all the other ones get angry at you for not <laughs> making sacrifices and doing what needs to be done? You know, yeah. so. Here these Christians are going and ruining it all for everybody because they're just trying to pray to one God that they can't even see, that, that has no seeming form, and uh, you know, you're messing it up for all the rest of us because you know when all these other gods get annoyed and upset that they're not being served, somebody's going to pay for it because— the gods at that time were very capricious. They they were they were very random. They would like they could get very easily offended, and when they got offended, bad things started happening to people. And so you really had to be on your best game to make the gods happy. This was a big deal, and for the Christians not to be willing to do that. Um, and we're going to be talking about that a lot more this next week in the um, the next sermon on Pergamum. So the Romans were upset that the Christians weren't taking part in their god their multiple gods to worship and that there was ramifications for them because they wouldn't comply is that big time right yeah you don't okay. you don't you don't want to offend one of the gods and if you've got this little tiny group of problem people who are worshiping their imaginary god instead of one of the legitimate gods and then bad things happen well who's going to get scapegoated for that and a, a huge, you know, there's so you have the pantheon of the gods. That's, a, you know, there's Zeus and all these, and we're going to talk about Zeus this next week. But then there's also the cult of the emperor, uh, the goddess Roma, the spirit of Rome. And this was a big deal. It's something like, oh, I don't know, like, um, you know, in in our in our society, it's like a, a real smear if you say somebody's unpatriotic. And it's like, oh, you know, no matter, you know, both parties try to tell the other, oh, they're not patriotic. They're not true patriots. <laughs> I'm the real patriot. This party's the real patriot. This person's the real patriot. Um, and it, it would be like just 
up and saying, well, yeah, I'm not patriotic. Uh, and, and that's what the Christians did. They were like, we're, we're, not, we're not for Rome. We're not against Rome, but we're not worshiping the spirit of Rome. We're, we, there's only one God, and it's uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, not our Lord and Savior, Caesar, which was a th- that literally was a title for Caesar, Lord and Savior, Caesar. And so um, the Christians were, were just going against all kinds of things that would rub society wrong. I guess I thought they were so looked down on that they wouldn't, that nobody would care necessarily, but... Well, the way to be, I mean, it was really important for the stability of Rome for people to be good Roman citizens. And there were specific things. I mean, that's where the household codes came from. You know, the husbands need to be the head of the wife. You know, they need to be, the children need to be obedient. You know, the slaves need to be obedient. And then then, uh, that head of that household then had someone that they were responsible to. And and it was this big um, civilized hierarchy. And you don't want to be the weakest link in Mm. that. It's a collectivist society. That's another thing that I think is important. It wasn't like, well, you believe one thing and I believe one thing, and we're each individuals and we have the right. It's like in a collectivist society, when one person goes against the group, they're putting the entire group at risk. Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal. It's in our society, it's like, oh, well, you think this, I think that, that's okay. But in a collectivist society, when you think this and I think that, one of us is wrong. And it puts the entire group at risk. And when you put the whole, there is nothing worse. In our society, there's nothing worse than taking away individual freedoms. In a collectivist society, there's nothing worse than putting the entire group at risk. And if you have to get rid of one person to save the group, well, then that's what you do. And that's what you see when when Jesus is uh, being crucified. They say, better for one man to die than... For the group, for for Rome to come down on us because here's a Messiah, better for that one man to die. And and in a collectivist society, that really makes a lot of sense. It's like, yeah, of course. I mean, how dare you think you're more important than the group? How- well, and they were offshoot, too. I mean, it was they had no legal status. At least the Jews had a legal status religiously. The Christians didn't have a legal status until Constantine, which was a few hundred years later. Okay. So they were just this, you know, this this little you know offshoot of of weirdos, you know, yeah. d- that were threatening the stability of the well, empire. And, and it's not really that hard to understand today if you if you just stop and think about how we feel today about the cults that are in our world. Uh, you know, you think about the the uh, what was the cult, uh, the Jim uh, Jones, Jim Jones, Jones yeah. the, the, all the people that that drank, uh, you know, the special drink that he he made for him. And, and died. Uh, we we are naturally suspicious. We don't say, oh, well, that was just a few hundred people. We're, we're like, no, no, that's a big deal. That, that matters. You think about Waco. You think about the Branch Davidians. You know, the there, there were distant ties between the Branch Davidians and the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The Branch Davidians were a break-off of a break-off, basically, of a break-off of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and when that when that all happened, Waco, Texas, the Seventh-day Adventist Church went out of their way to say, that's not us, that we, they, they have nothing to do with what we think and believe, because, you know, the stuff that, that, that was happening with David Crush was just like, that's, that's awful. I mean, here's, you know, he's got, he, you know, oppressing women, children, all kinds of gun stuff, and so, 
if you think of it in terms of that, why would why would people want to disassociate themselves from that early Christian church? Well, because they're they've got a reputation for being atheist and not going with the group and looking out for the good of the whole. They're, they've got a reputation for eating the the body and drinking the blood of their dead god. They have the reputation for marrying as brothers and sisters. This is. And, and when I and for those of you who didn't hear the sermon, let's be clear that wasn't what was happening. But when everybody in your group calls each other brother and sister, like we do sometimes a lot, even to this day in the Christian church, you know, you say, "Oh, that's my brother in Christ." We say that, but you know, we'll often just shorthand brother. You know, you, if you grew up in a in a very traditional church, you say, "Oh, that's brother Ken and brother Melanie, brother Randy." You know, and, and it's and, you, and and so and then so when I see you, when, sister, you know. So when a brother and a sister in the church get married, it's like, what's going on there? Um, and so, anyway. Yeah, That's I think... right. My nephew used to call me <laughs> Uncle Melanie when he was little, so I'll just go with it. We'll just go with it. That's fine. <laughs> did I call you brother? <laughs> brother I'm sorry, Melanie. Brother I didn't Melanie. catch what I did. Sister Melanie. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's but that's... that male headship and stuff I'm, getting in my way. I'm really glad you brought up the idea that... Smyrna was actually even before, the, you know, because there was a Hellenistic time period where Smyrna was actually much more on the side, you brought that up, mm-hmm. of Rome. So they had a history of being Roman and very, very nationalistic probably at that time. So people that were dissenters in that community, yeah, um, tough time for them. Very tough. They were they, – Smyrna was not the capital. We're going to be talking about this right. next week that Pergamum, Pergamum was actually the capital of Asia Minor at that time mm-hmm. and had the seat of power there. But Smyrna really was kind of that, that, that little brother, that little sister who wanted to be – Elevated, and they they're like, oh yeah, but we, you may be the capital, but we like Caesar better than you do, and we honor Caesar better than you do, and so there is actually, and I I hope I get this exactly right because I don't have the notes in front of me, but basically at that point in history, you could apply to have a um, a Caesar temple in your city that was the official temple in that region, hmm. and Smyrna actually won that right over. Pergamum and Ephesus a couple different times. Now, Pergamum, it, it was something that could be moved around, I do believe, but it was a big deal to them. They really wanted to be considered Romans and to be you know, the best of the best, like Jeff was saying, and so it really mattered to them. And so when you have a group of people that aren't getting with the program, that's a problem. So even though our society, you've made the distinction between the collective society and and how we are today, did the Christians in this time, did they understand that they saw them this way? And I mean, would like maybe just stop saying brother and sister then, then they don't think we're incestuous or maybe we should, you know, and maybe the Romans weren't interested in listening to that either. Because how do you explain your God if you can't see them? That one I can, I totally get. But the other one's like, well, okay, well, we're not marrying our brothers and sisters like Things of that nature. Well, that's something you would say, Randy, so that we, so that, <laughs> so that, so that, we, so that to take the spotlight off of you. But anyone that's I'm an sure atheist. they mentioned it in their podcast. <laughs> yeah. so, More than likely, yeah. No, actually, I mean, think about think about the reputation that the Christian Church has in in larger culture. I mean, there are things that are devastatingly true sometimes, sure. but then there are other things. It's like oh, that's not exactly how it is, but but it doesn't really matter 
how you communicate that, it matters, you know, whether or not it's received or whether or not it's believed. Understanding it that way, the persecution wasn't just small persecution. When you think about it in that, it makes it, to me, it raised the idea of like serious, I mean, persecution in any way is bad, but if people really think this poorly of you as a group, these are three pretty big things that I would be easy to look down on someone if you really thought they were true. Yeah. Um, Not worshiping the emperor was a punishable by death crime. In fact, when you go back and look at the historical records, you'll find that the, um, the the leadership in these in some of these different cities would actually they would have somebody inform and say oh those people are Christians over there so they'd pull the Christians in they say are you a Christian they'd say and they'd say well yes and they'd say well you're going to need to renounce that and how do you do that you do that by cursing the name of Jesus and um, and by worshiping Caesar uh, the God Caesar and and if you don't do that. Um, then we're going to kill you. Uh, we're going to execute you. And some of the execution methods were, were quite brutal. And they were a spectator sport, too. It, it was. Yeah. So, you know, this... Hmm. I'll save <laughs> save, so, <laughs> save for next week because we're actually going to talk about the uh, martyr Antipas, okay. who, if you're wa- listening with children, you may I'll put out the, welc- the, uh, the announcement next week. You may want to skip ahead of of the way that this guy is executed according to um, Christian legend gotcha. uh, what happened. But it, it, I mean, it was, it was not something, you know, not renouncing Christianity carried pretty severe penalties. And, you know, you kind of, your best case scenario was you're destitute. You weren't allowed to work. You weren't allowed to um, do business. And it, it, meant you were going to live in poverty, which is what the church in Smyrna is told, is that I know that you you think you're poor, and you are. It's like the the term that's used for poor is about is the most poor that you could be in the Greek language. It was not, there's there are others that were like kind of poor, and uh, but this was uh, one that was like, you are incredibly poor. And why? Oh, it's because they were living, standing for their faith, that they were willing to go ahead and endure this persecution. I think we usually think of that type of persecution, or at least historically, maybe maybe just the way I grew up. But that seemed like a thing that was going to come in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the the being forced to worship, you know, other gods, or being not being able to have religious freedom, or having restrictions placed on you with the mark of the beast and all these kinds of things. But to think of that level of persecution then, it really does make the idea when it was like, well, this is the church that didn't have a complaint. And you're like, oh, I can kind of see why now. This is not going to break a bruised reed. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Human beings don't particularly have a a sterling record for not persecuting each other for their faith. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it is a it is a reoccurring theme throughout history up to the current day that people persecute in some of the most horrible ways those who do not believe religiously. What they believe, and I'd say religiously, it's not just Christianity. It is across the board. Different religions tend to have a ongoing history of persecuting people who do not have the same religious outlooks that they do. And uh, it would be nice to say that doesn't happen anymore, but it does. It does happen today. It happens in many places, and you know, after 
you know, the horrible stuff that happened on 9-11, we watched Muslims in our country get harassed and, and given a hard time um, by certain bigoted groups of people. And without a seeming realization that if that what happened on 9-11 was horrendous and it was done by extremists. And there have been Christian extremists who have done horrendous things throughout history, and it's just not right. But it's also not right to go about persecuting people who are living in peace for their political or their, their religious views or political views for that matter. And, and I know that, you know, like we can say there's sometimes debate over, and, and that's the interesting part, because the Romans would have said that the Christians weren't living in peace. You're causing problems to the empire um, or potentially doing it. And that's, that's usually where we start um, when we don't understand what somebody else really believes, when we start throwing stereotypes on them we start becoming unkind, unloving, and doing, and, and can find ourselves in some very dark places very quickly. Well, I appreciate the historical context that you've been giving throughout this and what we've, even now what we've just been discussing, because it feels like Rome was so big, so large, so powerful that in a way, what would they care about a small group of, of Christians that were maybe, you know, the fly that keeps buzzing around your ear and, and not take such an interest. But when you figure figure out this other part of, of how much they took this so seriously and then what the ramifications were, it really makes a difference on how you view that whole story. And maybe it, and for me, it was really your ending when you talked about uh, going back into Isaiah where Jesus gives the clue, but then tells, you know, like, go back to Isaiah and figure this out. And there's so many, there were so many cool phrases in those verses that, you know, he says not to fear, which, yeah, thanks for all of that. But then it goes on to, you know, you know, it's going to, how it's going to turn out in the end. Don't fear. I'm going to take care of you. I'm not going to leave. I'm going to be the person that's there. I've always been here. I'll always be here. And you like, I'm here to take care of you. It's one of those times where you just see Jesus in a different light of the dad who just really is like, look, I, I get it. And bad things happen, but here I am. I'm not going anywhere. And you automatically just feel better, even though you know you've got a long road to hoe and life stinks right now. But that just made the hair in my arm stand up during the message when you said that. And it just brought a sense of calm just to a lot of things, even in my life, that you just it's a good reminder and it was a good view of of God and of Jesus then through this letter that no matter what you're going through, and they had it pretty bad, he's going to be there. And I, for me, that was my favorite takeaway. He's going to be there, and he has been there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's that Jesus isn't telling us to do something that he hasn't done himself. Yeah. He's not asking that. And I think that's, for me, a comforting thing. I liked, too, that, you know, things we can do today, stand up for everyone's religious freedoms and their religious liberties, even if I'm we really don't... passionate about that, Randy. I think it's, yeah. it's just one of those things that that for me, if you want freedom, you have to give it to other people too. Well, I guess you don't have to, but, but what winds up happening is then, then, you know, you don't get what you, you're not going to receive what you're not willing to get. And if you want to create a us versus them society, well, then that's what it's going to be. It's going to be an us versus them. 
And that's one of the, the to me, one of the wonderful things about the United States is that um, it, it was not founded so that Christians could have a Christian country. It was founded on the principles that everybody would have the opportunity to practice their faith in a in the way that they saw best. That's I mean that was just one of the guiding principles of of that freedom of religion, the the ability that the state does not get in the way of the free exercise of religion. That and, and it's one of the things I love about the United States. And I I, I want to make sure that that we pass that continue passing that on. Yeah. It really matters that 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 each person gets to worship God according to their free conscience. I know that there's got to be some, you know, we got to talk about safety for people and their and and the society around them. But man, this it really matters that we do that and that we that we promote that freedom of religion for everyone because if I want it, I've got to be able to give it. And for me, it comes down to two. It's not always something that we have to agree on the finer details of because you probably won't if you see things differently. But at the same time, there's so many things of minutia that can be made to be big problems, which really aren't. And to just grant everybody that that same that same right and that same uh, privilege is is absolutely where we should be. So in the questions, I think we have one that I, I'm, I'm pretty sure was in the message, but I also wanted to make sure that we got to because we just had a few. Anonymous asked, when we are in the middle of suffering or trials, how can we not let it crush our spirit? <laughs> and that's... <laughs> I think according to the letter in Smyrna, it is to remember Christ and yeah. that, that he's there with you. He's gone through what you've gone through. Um, that, that Christ is sympathetic to you, and that not just sympathetic, but that Christ is there with you uh, in that, and that's that's one way of doing it. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Just going back to those when the way you set up the you know them going back, Jesus uses those few words, the first and the last, and then to realize what he's talking about and to go back. So if you haven't caught the message, definitely go back and uh, look at those verses because. To me, that's a. It, it was just. It really was an absolute comfort to hear that, realizing what this city was going through, and then to hear to hear him give that that uplifting and just that reassurance was really really comforting. Even now, it just knowing that he's still the same and it still applies for us. So this is the one I, I think we covered. It was from Aaron who said, "I'm pretty good at right external behavior or going through the actions or words to show love or care for others, but many times I don't feel it inside." I'm thinking as a Christian, love for others should be real feeling right, not just not just emotions. <laughs> How do I get the real thing coming from my heart for others? Oy, oy, oy. that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, because... we talked a little bit about that during the Q and A, and. Um... But I think it's one that, in case you missed it, I wanted the podcast audience to hear as well, because I think for the so many times, and I don't know if does fake it till you make it, is that a, a way to come at this? Or is it just, if I don't feel it, I've got to keep praying about it? I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yes, and. Yes, yes and. I mean, I think there's a lot of different parts of it. Again, I think that 
we have to be careful that when you look at the way that the Bible defines love, it isn't so much an emotion that we're feeling as much as it is a... Um, it's it's choice, and it's also an allowance for God to come in and make us loving, hmm. um, yeah. as opposed to simply f- a an emotion where I I have this warm gushy feeling, and sure. I like the warm gushy feeling. Yeah. And if I you know, but there's a lot of times where I've had to make decisions that I'm going to go ahead. And ask God to help me be patient, <laughs> and, and do it with you and, later, <laughs> and and do it and be kind and not hold a grudge. And those those are hard things to do. And so, my recommendation to people: if you're trying to be more loving, if you want to, if you're not feeling it, go spend some time in the Gospels. Spend time with Jesus. The Bible tells me that by beholding, you become changed. So spend time. Not so much trying to be more loving as is trying to get to know Jesus and who Jesus is and be inspired by Jesus and and ask Jesus Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to, to to transform you and to change you and to help you do things that you don't feel. Well, and I think it's also I mean, there's something to be said for going through the motions. Mm-hmm. Because even um I mean, if you you think about the way that your brain and, and your body work together. If, if you're sitting in a room, I was just having this conversation with Albert the other day. If, if you're sitting and you, you're having a conversation with someone and you sit there and you arrange your body so that your hands, your palms are face up in a supine position, it, it creates a more openness inside your mind to what is being said. I see you crossing your arms, <laughs> Randy. <laughs> but it does. There, there is something about making a motion of openness or making a motion toward love, even if you don't feel it, sometimes it can it can work in reverse where you're doing the action and then it creates the feeling. Yeah. So I think those two things can be sort of mutually conditioning, going through the motions and letting the motions themselves influence you. So what if you just did it because you know it's the right thing to do? You maybe do it a little begrudgingly, maybe not with a smile. A smile on your face might be a little fake, and you're like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. I don't really want to, but is it better to just do it that way to get a head start than to just not do it because I know I can't do it with love in my heart? I would much prefer somebody do it even if they don't feel it. <laughs> even don't if you? they don't. Like, you know what? Yeah. If you don't feel like being kind and you do it anyway, I'll take it. a thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> start, start, to, start the progress down the right road. <laughs> That's anyway, right. right. No, I like that. Well, and it was one that, and, and Poppy had a comment, said, how do we learn to love those who have done us wrong and how can we move forward in our lives and forgive them? And I think that's exactly what we, what we just talked yeah. about was to make sure that even if it's a growth process, you have to start somewhere if that's not the natural feeling. And it is hard if it's something or someone or a situation or a combination of all of those that really burned really, really, you know, got you really, really good. That's tough to, that's tough to do. But I have found it in the past that if you can at least not feel hate or bad th- bad feelings and just go, I don't know, I probably can't forgive because if I said I forgive you, it probably isn't from a place that's really <laughs> solid right now. But then eventually moving in that direction, I think, sets you up for being able to do it later, even if you don't feel it at the time. So I like what you said better, though. <laughs> Listen to Melanie. She knows what yes. she's talking about. <laughs> the open supine position. That's something we should start 
start doing is it the hand it this. feels a little weird is that on purpose or it's a real thing you, it, if you when you find yourself in a in a, a situation that's tense or um or you know you're gonna if you can mentally turn take your hands unclench them turn them right so that their face palms up it's a crazy thing it's a little, you know, Jedi mind trick. Yeah, know? it is. It is vulnerable, that, which is why it might feel a little bit uncomfortable. But you are putting yourself intentionally in a vulnerable, vulnerable position so that you can receive. Yeah, Oof, that's a tough one, too. But I mean, any little bit that can help, even if it's especially if you go into it, knowing that it's probably going to be <laughs> tense. <laughs> this is going to be get bad. <laughs> Palms up, people. <laughs> <laughs> when you see I when you it. see Melanie coming to talk to you and she's got <laughs> her, her palms, palms up, up, you know, you know what's going on. Man, I like that. Hashtag palms up, people. Maybe that should be, uh, that might be on the, that might be in our social media feed here before too long. Palms up, people. And I like that. Well, thank you for the, the, the questions. And man, this Do we have one more question? Uh, that one is, from Randy. Did we have, I didn't see one in the chat. Did we, did we set one up? Did he tee one up for you on first? There was one, yes. Um, so I missed. Tell, yeah. tell me what it is. Do you know? Do you remember? Well, the question, I think, and I'm going to I'm gonna mess it up because I'm going to paraphrase it, but it was something to the effect of what happens for people who are experiencing persecution um, now. How should the church react to that? What is the church's response to that? I'm sorry, Randy. I know I messed that question up. Sorry. And I think it, it was, yeah, I think it was what was the response and how do— how do we as a church, when we see groups being persecuted, how do we respond to that? That must have been, I, I think that. usually I go back and try to watch Q&A from the first. I missed it this week live because I usually will write those down if I know there's one coming and I did not. So it was probably from first. I didn't, uh, I forgot to do I, that. I think that. Um, do you think we have the gist of it correct? I think we're close. And I th- it's a really good question. It's a question that that has been a hard one for the church to get right. Um, you know, during the civil rights era, um, when you know, there was segregation, and um, and oftentimes the um, the white church. Uh, severely discriminated against uh, the uh, African Americans and those of color. There were those who sympathized with the struggle that um, the black church was experiencing, that, that black people in America were struggling with. And white leaders would say, well, let's just, you know, let the process you know, take its course and we'll, you know, if we come all out at once, then it'll, it'll create a lot of disruption. So let's be careful how we speak up and how we speak out. If I'm truthful, I can, I actually, I, I'm not proud of that. And you'd like to think if you lived back in those times, you would have, you would have been different. Um, but we have issues in our own times that we struggle with and, um, that we, that, uh, that we're not sure about when to speak up and when not to speak out, up and you know at what what point is it best to to keep uh you know the 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 church as united as possible and what time is it the right time to say hey no this is just plain wrong and i know some of you're going to be really angry at me for saying that but this is this is wrong 
And, uh, you know, Randy, I, I wish, I wish I knew, uh, I wish I knew exactly how to go about it, but I went to say that's something I pray about a lot. And so something I spend a fair amount of time thinking about, um, how to go ahead and stand up for what's right. Um, how to go ahead and try to, to fulfill Christ's prayer for unity, um, in John, you know, in Christ's prayer that the church would be united as he and the Father are one, but at the same time how to stick up for what is right when injustice is occurring, when people are suffering, when people are being persecuted for, for being them, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and how, to, how, to, how to work with that. So I don't know if I have really good answers to it right now, and uh, Melanie, I don't know if you want to speak into this or not. But yeah, I do actually, because I think this—I mean, this—this this does so relate to the situation in Smyrna, honestly, because and different situations in history. I was reading about you know the Nazi, the Nazi era not long ago, and I and I was noting how you know that they didn't just the Holocaust didn't just occur. Like there were incremental things that happened, you know, that just made it more and more and more difficult for the Jews to live in Germany, made it more difficult for them to make a living made it more difficult just to be alive and take care of their families. And I, I and, and we history shows us that every single time religion and political power join up together, there's persecution. And I feel like even in our state and in the state of Florida, I see these incremental, these laws being passed that incrementally make it more difficult for the LGBTQ community to live. Even just adults, you know, uh, uh, trans adults who are trying to get the medical care. Now, laws have just been recently passed where you may have to drive for hours or you may have to, you may not be able to get your medical care because uh, some restrictions have been passed on who can actually provide um, the, tr- the care that you need. And then there are other laws that have made the liabilities for practitioners much more difficult or you know, much, much scarier, I guess. So a lot of practitioners are backing away. So basically what we're having is we have these laws that are being passed incrementally that are making it harder and harder and harder. And I think in some ways, I mean, I know the comparison to Nazi Germany might be strong at this moment in history, but but basically the Nazis were trying to make it so difficult for the Jews that they would just leave, just go away. Just go away, yeah. And I feel like that that's what's happening here in the state of Florida. If we just make it difficult enough for people, then maybe they will just go away. And I think I think in that respect, this is a civil rights issue. This is a civil rights era. And I think I agree with you, Ken. I think it's really difficult to know as a church how to respond to that. In some ways, it feels bigger than than we are. But of course, that doesn't mean that we can't show up on the field as Goliath or as as David <laughs> with Goliath. But I think partly, and, and this is not a big answer, but I but I think partly what we can do is educate because i think that there there are decisions that are being made out of total you know bigotry and hatred but i also think that there are decisions that are being made out of pure ignorance and you know i i spent most of my life i spent with a 10th grade understanding of biology and it made me really angry that i had to go into a phd program to understand some basic things about biology that i did not know and how absolutely complex um, gender and sexuality are. And I, I feel like that that if more people understood more of these things, then, then that education could go a long way. 
And that's something that, you know, may not be able to happen in public schools. It may not be able to happen in some other arenas. But as a church, there is nothing holding us back from educating people and teaching people. When I think about this topic, uh, I think that sometimes we think that we have to agree with people in order to support them and their rights. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm reminded of uh, Martin Niemöller's quote. He was a uh, prominent Lutheran pastor in Germany in the 20s and 30s, and he, um, he actually sympathized with a lot of the Nazi ideas and supported some of their radical ideas. But later on in life, he uh, he. He penned this quote that probably you've heard before. It says, first they came for the socialist, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. We often think, well... I don't agree with this person. I don't agree with their with what they're doing. I don't agree with this. My understanding of the Bible tells me that they're wrong about this or that. And we think, well, I'm not going to stand up against that. In fact, I, I'm kind of glad that the government is kind of doing something that to curb something that I don't agree with. And we forget just how dangerous that can be when the government gets involved with deciding moral questions. Because eventually, when that happens, you watch a government, it will suddenly then, at some point, you, you, be, you will become the minority at some point. And, um, and, then, and, and, that's, and by that time, you're like, wait a minute, but who's going to stand up for me? And so I think that the, one of the highest ideals in democracy is to stand up for those who don't have the same ideas that you do, but to give them the right to the life that they want to live, that they choose to live, and 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 to really do unto others as you would have done unto you. I remember back in college, I applied to work at the Disney store. And at the time, uh, Disney was being boycotted by certain religious organizations because of what because of how Disney was working with the LGBT community, that they were giving benefits and whatnot. And at that point, I was uh, not sure how I felt about that. Um, but I knew I wanted to work at the Disney store. I wanted, I wanted the job there. And I remember going in, and it really struck me as I was interviewing with Disney, and I told them, well, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, so I'm not available to work from sundown on Friday night to sundown Saturday night. And they said, well, absolutely. We, we, our company wants to honor your faith belief, and we will absolutely prioritize getting you that time off. It will not be an issue for you. And it hit me as they were saying that, that I was so grateful, so grateful that I could be upfront with them that they would respect my religious beliefs and what it was important in my life, even though it wasn't what was convenient for them as a company. What was convenient for them as a company would be to be able to schedule me anytime they wanted, you know, during the week and to have an employee that was available to them 
uh, in the times that were of their choosing and what was best for them. But they they respected my beliefs and my right to to my humanity, to my beliefs and where I what I felt called to do as a human being. And and it struck me at that point. If I want that, why wouldn't I want the LGBTQ community to have that same respect? Whether I agree with them or don't agree with them, why wouldn't I want them to have that same respect? And why wouldn't I stand up for a community to be treated the way I would want to be treated and the way I want to be treated in my life? And so I think that sometimes we get a little confused about what it means to take care of the other, of the neighbor, yeah. Um, and we, we tend to make it it make it something that it shouldn't be. So anyway. Well, I, and standing up for freedoms is an American thing to do. Is. That is fundamentally American. But more importantly to me, it's fundamentally godly. It is All right, that trumps the American. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it is a fundamentally it, I agree. I agree. What I really want to say you know, God gives us freedom. He gives humanity freedom. He gives us all the freedom to make decisions. And I, not being God, would like to, in that way, emulate God by giving people the ability to follow their conscience. And and I think that's really important. Um, I think that's really important. I, I think, yeah, I, I'm glad you went that way because I think a lot of times what we do is we we believe that we're part of an isolated community, that we are part of, that, you know, we're the Christians or we're the followers of Jesus. But if, if you look at it from a different perspective, the way I think that Jesus wants us all to see it, and that is through a human perspective, there is no more us and them. It's no longer me saying, well, I can, you know, I can create some kind of barrier between them because we, we have different beliefs or whatever. But I do think that we're called as a people to, to look at others as all children of God and, all, and, and as followers. Yes, they may not want to follow where we're following, but that still doesn't create a barrier between me and them. Right. I still need to look at this. It's I love the quote, uh, you know, in Joshua, where Joshua goes, you know, well, whose side are you on? And he goes, I'm not on any side. And here, here's Joshua going into battle, which he believes he's going into as God's people, God's chosen people. God's going to be on their side. And he says, I'm not on anybody's side. So I, I do think we, you know, when we place somebody up against us, you know, we call it, well, their beliefs don't line up with mine, so apparently they're my enemy. Um, I think the whole story about the, the neighbor piece is that we, we need to look at people differently than us and them. And for me, as I was thinking about this, and Melanie brought up, and and we've kind of talked about a large scale kind of mm-hmm. to, as an answer to this question or kind of laying this question out in historical ideas, but I also don't want to forget about just because you may not feel the ability or the the power, the voice to speak into something from a larger perspective, the person that you know that's being persecuted, 
that person needs your voice. That person needs mm-hmm. your friendship. That person needs you to know that they, they need you to know that they need help. But it's really hard asking for help when you feel like no one's on your side. You, you tend not to trust people. And Albert told a story this morning during staff meeting about the person who didn't feel love, wasn't accepted, was basically kicked out of their church. And they found their tribe. They found the people that stood up for them at a bar. And that that story is a 15-year part of my life where that was people that, you know, no one missed that I wasn't at church. But if I wasn't where I was supposed to be by 9 o'clock, my cell phone rang off the hook, making sure I was okay. And you find community where you find love and you find genuine people. And so for me as Christians, we already have the, the Great Commission, and we know that, the, that love is the, is the greatest of these. And so I think it's, it behooves us to remember that Jesus called us to, to do this. And, and there's so many people that even if it's just a one-on-one, it, it's a place that you can stand up and it may be uncomfortable, but it's not, it's not you against the world. It's probably you against a small group of people, or it's you coming next to someone who just might literally be dying for your help. There's people out there that are, that really need that piece. And so if it's, if the grand scale seems scary, I think the small scale has so many, so many ramifications, just helping one person and what that person might go on to do with you and with others, helping them, helping them through their, that time of, of their persecution. So from one Randy to another, thank you for the question. Yeah, that thank was, you, Randy. Uh, thank that you, was, Randy. Um, you know, we'd like to handle all the questions that come in. And if you feel like there's something that you want to ask, it's 407-965-1607 or podcast at wholelife.church. We'd love to hear from you. Next week, so we're Ephesus, we're Smyrna, and we're, who's next? Pergamum. Per, what? Per, Pergamum? Pergamum. Pergamum. <laughs> that sounds like something else, and I'm not sounds sure. Sounds like a flower. Doesn't it sound like a flower? <laughs> I planted some Pergamums in my yard. Uh, like begonias? <laughs> Yeah, make sure you water them and fertilize them. Pergamum. Are we watering Pergamum? What are we doing with Pergamum? Well, I I, I think if <laughs> I think you may get a stone if you come to church this Whoa. week. So the persecution continues. <laughs> oh well, uh, I can tell you're not reading ahead, Randy. It's uh, it's all good. It's yeah, okay. okay. It's all, good. It's all okay. right. All right. So, Those who are reading ahead may uh, may understand what what's have an idea, but. Uh, all right, well, but uh, not get stoned this week at church. <laughs> no, I don't. Not Let's hope not. All right, well, all right, we're moving forward then. I like this. See, I, yeah, I trust you guys. I just, you know, trying to figure out on a kind of whim. I'm glad you trust us because sometimes I don't, you know, I don't know if I trust me. So. <laughs> I haven't looked ahead, so I didn't, you know, really was coming at this with, and I've, I've started to do that on purpose because I like to be surprised. Why look ahead when you can be surprised just like you listeners? I have no idea. I don't look ahead. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right, Pergamum next week, and so is there a surprise? Oh, wait, did we? Are we giving out the word every week? No way. No you way. Gotta go wa- no, you gotta, gotta watch it. it. That's right. You gotta go it. watch it or listen to it. If you listen to the, um, if Man, you listen, listen to just to the audio, How did you I can. Miss it? It's it's there. Was it there? I actually, yep. I straight up. Did you straight it? Oh, it? very much. He so. did say it. It was pretty obvious this last week. Man, yeah, because actually, some didn't somebody say, "Hey, why are you making this so obvious?" Yeah. <laughs> so the fun part about all of this is that um, at the end, you're going to have these seven words, and you're, it's actually going to take. You're going to actually have to use them in a puzzle. Oh to, man. To to each. Anyway, I won't give that it too much like away. But yeah. 
<laughs> no, it's not. It's no. it's called good it's fun, fun right there. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. No more persecution. Is there more persecution coming up? Or are we done with that? Was was Smyrna the only one? Oh no, we we're gonna we're gonna get to talk about oh, that boy. a little bit this week. In fact, this week it's uh, we actually the only one of the churches that actually has a. It's actually the only person in the Book of Revelation who is named Ooh. by name for being martyred. Interesting. Well, you're not going to want to miss that. So. Be thinking about four hundred, Bernie. We're we're gonna we're gonna lean heavily we're on counting you. Counting on you, Bernie. But if someone else has some good ideas, please do use all the channels I've mentioned multiple times. Or in the show notes, if you swipe up, you can just click it. It'll send me a text or the email right there from the phone. You don't have to go and look for it. Just swipe up the notes and use those. And thank you all for listening. Love you all on Podcast Land, and have a great week. 